Tuesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute Podcast, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And uh, Chris, today seems to be all about Delta Vs and equations and yelling astronauts and all (laughs) kinds of craziness going on. you know, a hundred thousand miles from Earth, um, and uh, I know this. Uh, this is something that we've talked about for weeks. This, uh, this particular, well, this this particular week, we have a a thing that didn't quite seem to happen. I mean, it wasn't all fun and games up there, but this uh, the absolute mania that goes on here is uh, is not quite how it happened. But I, I know that you've talked with uh, Jim and with Fredo about yeah. about this, and it, uh, there's a little bit of things that happened with it. Yeah, so the two the two um, answers I got, I asked him about this moment, and Fredo basically said, uh, he said, well, they had to create, and I think he even said it when he was on our show, that, you know, they had to create some uh, uh, tense yep. situations, you know, some drama for the, yeah. for the moviegoer. Um, and when I asked uh, Captain Lovell about it, he, you know, he said, well, it wasn't heated, and we... There were certainly was it was not swearing, and that was one of the things he uh, was really you know adamant about. But he did sort of imply that the conversation, the subject matter of the conversation, happened, um, but that it it wasn't quite depicted correctly. You know that it wasn't an argument, but that yes, this conversation did indeed happen, but at a at a level tone. Um, so if we have him. You know, hopefully we get to have him on, and we can. We can ask him about it again, you know. But that was the answer that I got. Was yeah, okay. It, it 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 there there were things that happened, but not at this not at this level. And no, not, no, not not like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this sounds more like something you'd have a a discussion about in a meeting and say, "Oh, I don't agree in this," and look at the, look at these numbers and stuff. And what what they're all talking about, which we kind of ble- bled over from uh, yesterday's episode, uh, is this uh, delta v question. Delta v, of course, delta in engineering terms means change and v they're talking about velocity and uh, there's something this is a very old um equation that they're talking about it's the uh Tsiarkovsky rocket equation which is uh it sounds really complicated because it's got a big big fat russian name at the front of it and you know, you're talking with greek letters like delta and stuff but all it means is that you have you have a budget on your ship and like any any projectile or you know i mean it's the We'll go back to the the standard use of of a car and a gas tank is that if you look at a gas tank and you say you get 30 miles per gallon and you've got a a 20-gallon gas tank, then you know that your car can do at best, you know, 600 miles. Uh, if, if you're, you know, you just go 30 times 20, okay, that's 600 and that's how far I can go on this car. Um, but yeah, that applies. I mean, you're, instead of talking about a gas tank and stepping on the gas, uh, you're talking about, uh, energy management, which is the same thing. Any, any pilot understands energy management that you're trying to manage, uh, speed down to zero, you know, you're, you're starting at zero when you, when you start your, your aircraft, you're, you're at the end of the tax, you know, you're at the end of the runway to the time you land and 
uh, chock the wheels and you have zero again, there's a certain amount of energy that you've spent to get up to a certain speed for a certain amount of time and then slow down that speed and uh, and bring it into a, to a full and complete stop. And that energy is expressed, uh, it, it, you know, it's used up in the equation in terms of uh, the heat of your brakes, the speed of your aircraft, and, uh, you know, and, and how, you know, what, what kind of uh, the thickness of the atmosphere that you're pushing through. So in space, it's a lot easier because once you're outside the bounds of, you know, atmosphere, you're not having atmospheric braking, uh, you're using Newton's second law of motion that saying that the, uh, you know, something in motion tends to stay in motion. And so once you apply uh, energy in the form of a propellant, you are going to go at a certain speed. And the only thing that's going to be acting on that speed are uh, large masses of bodies, in this case, the Earth and the Moon, that are going to either add or subtract to your velocity. And uh, so when, I'm just going to bring this back to my my experience. I always was worried about taking, uh, when, I was, when I was getting my master's degree, I was always worried about taking orbital mechanics because I figured it was going to be a very complicated bunch of math, and I'm really not a math whiz. But it's really, it's just, you have a formula, you plug numbers into the formula, and the numbers that spill out on the other side is your answer. And that's pretty much what Jack Swigert was doing here. He was pushing in the numbers of how far away they were from the Earth, how far away they were from the Moon, what the mass of the uh, command service and lunar modules were, and how much propellant they had left. So he plugged those in on a piece of paper, did it, you know, doing it by hand. This is before the hand calculator. And uh, he, he ran through the equations, and the number that he came out with showed a final speed when you hit the Earth's atmosphere that looked a little high for uh, coming in on a, yeah, on a survivable uh, 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 range. And uh, it's, you know, as it turned out, he was, he was wrong about the numbers. And, uh, but, you know, if, if you look at an equation and say, well, this, this, this thing shows me that it's not working right, it would be easy to, to say, well, maybe, you know, either I'm wrong, they're wrong, or we're missing uh, some parts of this equation. Uh, I, uh, I feel this, you know, that kind of a thing, that, that, that kind of thing, I, I would see how, how you could be worried about that. And there, were, there was a lot of discussion. We were talking yesterday about the Apollo, uh, the 13th, the Apollo Flight Journal that you can read online at the NASA History Office. And they talk a lot about how the problems that they had, the, the biggest problem that they had, in uh, adjusting things along the flight uh, path is they they budgeted, the entire budget of the Apollo mission was based on a big fat fuel tank in the uh, service module. And once that went away, the only um, thrust that they had available to them was uh, the lunar module's descent engine, which they had been, they used that to do that uh, uh, PC plus two burn to get them back on a, on course to get home to get home ten hours faster than they would have from a free return trajectory. Once that disc uh, that was the, the helium disc that helped push the propellant into the thrust chamber, uh, once it burst, uh, that lowered the amount of thrust available to them to about um, I think it was about eight hundred uh, pounds left down from like eleven thousand pounds. So it, it it made a it made a big difference in how much they could alter their uh, velocity on the way home, and uh, you know that would be a cause for concern. But the numbers 
after they did the PC plus two burn, which was the, the second burn that we didn't really, that, that wasn't really shown in this movie. Um, the numbers showed that they didn't really need it. They were going to come in maybe a little bit shallow, but not too bad. This is this is going to be one of the shallowest re-entries that they'd ever had in the entire Apollo program, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later as we get toward the re-entry part of this flight, because uh, as a result of having this shallow uh, entrance to the to the flight corridor, it extended the time that the that the ship would be ionized, and that that kind of explains why there was a radio blackout that lasted so long. Um, I'm, I'm sorry if this is getting really technical, but that, I mean, that is the kind of, you know, if you really want to get into all the, the math of this stuff, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the uh, uh, Apollo flight journal that you can read about Apollo 13. And you can even see at the time, the, the public affairs officer went into great detail about how many pounds of propellant were left on the lunar module, how many pounds of propellant was being wasted in the service module, what they could use the RCS thrusters for, all that kind of stuff was listed, is listed. Um, and the public affairs officer gave out all that information and it's, you know, it's completely transcribed and you, know, you can even listen to recordings of, of what they were saying was, as, it was, as it was going on. Um, uh, I, I don't I, we have a very varied audience that lives that listens to this podcast but I know a lot of people are super number crunching geeks when it comes to this thing and they could probably tell it a lot better than I could about what the what the issues were but I think just understanding that there wasn't a lot of let the basic way of understanding it was there wasn't a lot of gas left in the tank for them to uh, slow down or change direction and that would obviously make uh, uh, somebody like Swigert a little upset, especially if the, <laughs> the numbers weren't coming around the way he thought it would it would do. I always like the way uh, Kevin Bacon uh, delivered the line when they were like, how did you figure that? And he's like, I can add. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. But Yeah, and, and, that's, and, and that's the thing. I mean, like, people always talk about rocket science and stuff like that. And you know, rocket science has some calculus in it, but most of the things, if you can do ninth grade algebra, you can be a rocket scientist. <laughs> it's, it's not that tough. And... Uh, I mean, you, you do, as a as a pilot, Chris, you you fill out a lot of forms of how to figure out how many yeah, pounds of yeah. fuel you use and and what the weather is going to be like and all that and what your crosswinds are. So this is you know this is old hat, especially if you take away if you take away the atmospheric equations. This is you know, snap city. Um, yeah, I mean it. Uh, yeah, I think you know one of the things that always amazed me was you know when you think about this stuff and you see it from the outside especially you know, at least in my experience in aviation it seemed so like oh my god i could never figure that out and then once you're there you're like oh this was actually really easy <laughs> like yeah. it's 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 a lot of it is it's just addition and multiplication i mean it's uh it's it's pretty pretty wild trust me if i can do it my, yeah, the, the, my love affair of math. Anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the way that's the way I feel about uh, about rocket science. I mean, if if you go in and people say it's not rocket science, well, yeah, most things aren't rocket science because it's not. It, a lot of things are harder than rocket science. It's it's up, down, left, right, and around. That's about it. You know, it's, if if you can, um, I forget what they call that where you you point your finger and you do all three axes. If you figure out what the sum total of all those forces are, which is, there's only three directions yeah. in, in space, if if you understand what the th what those three directions are, then everything else just fall, falls right into place. Um, and uh, it it kind of you know once you learn that, it kind of gets you upset about why aren't we back on the moon already? It's simple. It's <laughs> well, it is, yeah. If if only it were that simple. But they, I mean, one of the biggest 
one of the biggest problems. And if you look at the Tsiolkovsky equation, if you if you uh, understand delta V budgets, and you look at the the Tsiolkovsky equation for the Apollo missions, uh, the two biggest delta V costs in the delta V budget to get to the moon is launching into or Earth orbit, and then just about you know not not quite as much, but uh, launching a way to get to to get into lunar orbit the translunar injection that uses almost you know almost the power levels that you'd require to get into orbit so it's it's like launching two rocket mission you know two orbital missions one after the other only the first one is carrying the fuel for the next mission so it's um you know it's it's, it's interesting when you see how much fuel is used in the different portions of the flight uh maybe i can find Maybe we can find a graph and we can post it on our on our Facebook page to to take a look at that. But it's <laughs> That'd be cool. it, it's quite an amazing bit because things like um, well, you know, I mean, the ma the major parts of it, the launch is a big deal, the uh, translunar injection is a big deal. But then everything after that, when you're after you've been launched toward the moon, and anybody who's played the Kerbal Space Program can 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 get to learn about this too. Um, but when you're when you're getting toward the moon, you have to slow down, otherwise you'll you know the moon won't be able to capture you. So you have to you have to slow down as you approach the moon, just so you can get thrown into lunar orbit. That's minuscule, um, and then slowing down from lunar orbit to landing doesn't use a lot of power. It's even less to get off the moon to get to go from a standing start on the moon to getting up into lunar orbit. That's not that's nothing, and then um, then the biggest part is throwing yourself out of. Uh, of lunar orbit to get back to Earth. So those those five major parts: the launch, the translunar injection, lunar orbit uh, insertion, uh, descent, ascent, and oh, six excuse me six parts, uh, and uh, trans Earth injection. Uh, that's you know it, it's it, being able to figure all the math out for that is all based on an equation that had been developed by somebody who lived a hundred years before it all went down. And, and even, even there, I mean, that, that equation that it, it's credited to, uh, Tsiolkovsky, uh, that equation, uh, came from work that had been done by a, a British mathematician, William Moore, back in, uh, back in 1810. I mean, this is before, before rockets, <laughs> he had, he had come up with this, uh, idea. And then, uh, you know, this this was just a simple. It was a, it was a, it was derived from a calculus equation. So all these people understood calculus that had been developed by well, depending on who you're talking about, either Leibniz or or Newton. So all this stuff is based on math that had come hundreds of years before we ever had rockets. And and people people like um, uh, Robert Goddard and William Oberth, they didn't. They, they didn't know about Tsiolkovsky's equation, and they actually developed it themselves. They derived it on their own and just doing experiments. So, so this is you know it's a common equation that if if anybody had put their mind to it, they could figure out what you know what these what these budgets were for. And uh, it's something we still use today. It just uh, it's useful and it it it, it still works. And uh, hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be using it again someday soon. I um, sure hope so. Yeah, as we're as we're recording this, we've we've heard that uh, America is going back into space on uh, hopefully May twenty seventh uh, when uh, uh, Falcon nine is going to launch the uh, first crewed Dragon of uh, of NASA uh, of NASA astronauts going back to the uh, the space station. So it's uh, 
an exciting time to see this Rakowski equation being used again. Um, I, do, I, I, this, this week doesn't have a lot of things to talk about that are, well, I mean, we can talk about the drama of stuff and we, we have with, uh, with Jack, but I, I, this, this part gets a little frustrating to me because I understand, and I've, you know, we, we've both, we, we've all heard Fred Hayes talk about how this is necessary for the drama, but it just, I get bothered by the fact that it makes people look like, you know, they're going to have, they're, they're going to get into a fist fight in, <laughs> in outer space during an emergency. Fist fight space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it looks good on a big screen, but really if you're if you're in this kind of a, a tense situation the worst thing you can do is is just get in get into arguments as you know as jim lovell's character here is talking about that work you know you're gonna use the oxygen and waste waste time with it but uh yeah again it's necessary for the plot and it fills it out and this is something that uh, audiences are used to having some kind of uh, interpersonal conflict and the idea that people get along together is it doesn't make for great movies if <laughs> everybody's everybody's happy everybody's very cheering. boring movie <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um but we'll yeah we'll talk about we'll talk about this more as as the week goes on uh there's a couple of other things that that are happening on the ship that they they kind of sneak in uh through the back door but we'll we'll talk about that as the as the argument proceeds um, if you'd like to talk about this particular week's worth of, uh, of highly dramatic uh, soap opera-esque uh, episodes, we're always available for you on the social media. You can find us at uh, the Facebook uh, Mission Control, uh, what is it, Apollo 13 Mission Control out there on Facebook. We'd love to hear your comments on these episodes and your own personal experiences with Apollo 13 and watching other missions. Uh, also on uh, the social media called uh, Twitter, Apollo 13 Minute, uh, if you haven't uh, listened to any of our previous episodes, which uh, thanks for thanks for joining us now, but you can catch up with a lot of previous episodes and just binge away on uh, any of the uh, the typical podcasting sites like uh, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, and or wherever you're wherever you're picking up your podcast. Just go in, subscribe. You can get us delivered hot and fresh every morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, and we're also available at the big site Apollo13Minute.com, Apollo13Minute.com. All the previous episodes and summaries are out there. Uh, but we will be back here tomorrow to talk a little bit more about the uh, the drama unfolding in a very very tight uh, lunar module. If you've ever if you've ever seen the inside of a lunar module, getting three folks in there is a little, <laughs> quite a, quite a deal. I I'd be having an argument I think if there were three people in a little lunar module like that. Um, but we will we will talk about it a little bit more uh, tomorrow. Looks like we're coming up on lost signal right now in about thirty seconds. So we'll see you here tomorrow on the Apollo thirteen minute. <laughs>